All right, Sepkada round two. Uh, this time discussing the documentary Fire of Love uh, with myself, Jake no- Novak, right next to me, Nate Ulrich, and then uh, my other brother, my oldest brother, joining us this week, Andrew Novak. How are you, Andrew? Uh, I'm good, and the better brother. I don't okay. feel like I need to address the slander that Stephen brought on in the first episode. But... <laughs> I was going to say, there was a lot of, um, I don't know the right word. Tension? Te- I don't know, I... There's tension or like a longing to be better. Yeah. I reject this negative energy. Okay, so... good. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the higher man. <laughs> I take the higher. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, you know, I figured as we're doing these two Sepka does back to back, that both of you would be great guests because we are often talking about things that we're watching or playing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that you, Andrew, probably, uh, I don't know if you would agree, but I think that you probably watched the most documentaries of us, Um, whether that's still a huge number or just like more than one per year. Uh, But uh, yeah, I, I thought you might be uh a good a good fit for this and you're all you also read a lot more than either of us probably uh yeah i i um you're (laughs) well-rounded well that's a a generous compliment um (laughs) yeah i i enjoy documentaries uh simply just because i think that um like non-fiction stories uh can be a little bit more interesting especially with documentaries like i am someone who likes to overshare and like when I'm into something, I like to sit someone down and explain to them in great detail exactly why I really <laughs> enjoy it for hours on end until they agree with me. And I think that's a, a general <laughs> function of documentaries as well, where like, you know, the, the point of a documentary is that someone is hyper fixated on a story and then they sit you down for 93 minutes and explain to you why you should also care just as much about that story. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, to make things even more complicated with that is that because it theoretically is real and has happened or like you're using like this nonfiction, right? Um, that there, it can be uh, critiqued in such a different manner because they were usually historical events or something that has occurred, yeah, mm-hmm. right? And so you could falsify it, but if you falsify it and somebody finds out, yeah like that's right so so from what you said and then that added piece of like i think that's why they're interesting to me and i also feel like documentaries there's certain level of um actually i don't know if i should say this because it'll make people who don't watch them feel inferior (laughs) you can i feel like you can learn a lot of things from fiction and nonfiction, but with specifically with real life events we have to learn about our past we have to learn about past experiences we have to know these things because they occur again right like yeah. a volcano right will yeah. occur again yeah yeah I, and i and we'll get into this once we get into spoilers but i there is some interesting stuff where uh if you look at you know these two main characters fire of love being a documentary about two vol- volcanologists i forgot to look up how you pronounce that specifically. do you know how to pronounce it andrew yeah volcanologists we got okay. It. okay good uh not volcanologists <laughs> uh, <laughs> you did say once uh, i think i said that, that the first like... <laughs> time i'm correcting myself lava uh, people lava uh, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah um but uh just the if we were to look at these two this couple of uh volcanologists 
as characters in a fictional movie, we would be analyzing what they do in a different way. But yeah. since it is nonfiction, it kind of elevates it. And we're looking at the entire surrounding the society, quote unquote, that, that feels like an overused term, uh, but just contextualizes things for us and makes us look at uh, where we were as a people and where we are now uh, that I think is mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then just to add on that one little piece, and this is my own experience, when I watch movies and shows and stuff, and it's all scripted and acted out, uh, there are moments when I'm like, why are you doing this? This is dumb. It's kind of like the the horror film where you yeah. like run into the to the darkest room yeah. and shut the door and like there's and this has aspects of it but because it's they're like the people lived and they did those things you have to believe they did it they're using real footage of them doing it and so you never have that experience of like oh this is so scripted and dumb like you're just doing this to make the storyline better right yeah you don't experience that in a film like this which is i mean that's a big thing for me like in the last of us yeah can i can i say it you know like they're trying to light the it's one of the maybe the third episode she's in the room trying to light the mat thing and like she has like explosives and stuff all around her and the the things are coming to get her right sure yeah and and the thing won't light it's like this is dumb like i hate this (laughs) right and you don't get that in in a in a documentary like this okay well that's a great leading uh (laughs) to uh i feel not weird but you know this podcast is not turning into an exclusively sepkita podcast which if you want to remind us of what that stands for nate oh i don't have my notes uh super exclusive super exclusive uh productive creative dialogue association or something like that uh basically the right the write that down book club (laughs) why did we Uh, that's what it stands for now yeah um uh, and so we've done two back to back. Last time being all quiet and Western fronts. This time being fire of love. But there's a reason. Uh, for that. Yeah, that that reason was because uh, you know there are two Oscar nominated things that mm-hmm. we uh, hadn't seen yet and wanted to see and wanted to talk about. Uh, and we want to do more Sepkidas in the future, just as things come out. And it just so happens that uh, next week, at the time of recording, the HBO series The Last of Us or the season yes. one finale will yeah. air. Uh, and there have been a good amount of people in our group uh, that have been watching that show. So in two weeks' time on, uh, I believe that'll be March 24th, that Friday, that episode will be another Sepkida, uh, just by happenstance of how that timing works out, uh, based on The Last of Us. So if you want to be in the know uh, for that conversation, submit your thoughts to SWTD at writethatdown.com, or no, SWTD at gmail.com. We don't have a website. Uh, uh, you can do that, and we will be talking all about season one of The Last of Us that you can watch on HBO uh, with game spoilers, at least part one game spoilers, uh, because I think it'll be interesting to talk about the differences there. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, just so the audience knows, uh, that's what's going to be going on next time. Uh, and then after that, we will more than likely not have a Sepkida. Uh, because that will be a month in and a half. True, write that down. Fashion. Um, a recurring theme happens twice. Oh no! I already have ideas of what we're going to watch <laughs> in the future. Uh, I, I was thinking uh, like Wes Anderson's new movie is supposed to come out in June, and I would love to talk mm. about that. Um, oh, yeah. I think it's called like Asteroid City. So 
that'll be interesting because I don't know if it's supposed to be sci-fi, but that would be interesting because Wes Anderson does not do sci-fi. Um, but uh, really yeah, digress. Yeah. Anyways, with that said, Last of Us on next episode. Uh, let's get into our spoiler-free thoughts for the people who have not watched Fire of Love yet, which you can on Hulu and Disney Plus. Uh, and just say, did we like the movie? Uh, do we think you should go see it? Uh, just the the basics. Uh, Andrew, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I think that it's great. I loved it. I, I like we said, I'm a, a documentary fan. Um, but I think even if you're not a fan of documentaries, you will enjoy this film. Um, I would definitely recommend it to everybody. It's an interesting story and it's told in an interesting way. And I think most importantly, it's just a beautiful film to look at. Like I, I was uh, mesmerized by like all of the footage that they were able to capture and display and, and cut together in the documentary. So even if you're not like interested in, you know, true stories or anything like that, I think just sitting down and watching the, the film uh, that was captured of these various volcanoes or across the country is, is really, really interesting and really, really beautiful. So I think everyone uh, can find something in this documentary to enjoy. No. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Nate, how about you? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I agree with you, Andrew there. Um, I believe if they, if they made this a two hour, if it was about an hour and a half. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like 93. Yeah, yeah. I believe if they, and I think they strategically didn't do this, but I believe <laughs> if they had, prolonged uh prolonged it uh to up to two hours i think i would have lost sort of interest in in a sense because yeah a lot of the shots are very uh and this could be just from the technology back in the day of how they film stuff they're they're very similar shots right yeah. and so mm-hmm. the first 15 minutes of it you're sort of in awe and then and then the story starts to pick up so so i i believe like the editing is is done uh, specifically and strategically for this to occur uh and so what i'm trying to get at is yes i think you should watch it uh but don't be ready for like the most thrilling experience of action and like super love story sort of like combination of things because you're not going to get it in this yeah yeah that's interesting because yeah i i did really like it as well i think on letterboxd just now i gave it four stars uh out of, so out of five. Oh wow um, okay so yeah uh great documentary but it is interesting because it doesn't go heavy into the love story part of it and it doesn't go heavy into the science of it right it's really that middle ground and it kind of it's i think at one point they talk about uh it might be one of the last lines but just how it's a love story between Maurice and Katya, the two mm-hmm. uh, scientists, uh, and volcanoes, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and so it is, it's kind of interesting how they uh, tread that middle ground while also being somewhat relevant in terms of the effects that these things have on uh, the world today and things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, so we all recommend it. Uh, sorry, Andrew, you're going to say something. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say that I think um, kind of jumping off of that, uh, the the love story aspect, I think uh, the the film does a really great job. And both Maurice and Kati, I think their their life does a great job of, you know, they don't really need like film of them sitting down and talking about their love. Like I could feel how much that they loved each other just by watching them like interact with each other, like on scene at these volcanoes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I think yeah. that was a, the really telling thing. They didn't have a bunch of exposition of like, you know, they explained at the, the, at the very beginning of the film, like some possibilities as to the origins of how they met, right? They talk about a few different possibilities as to what could have occurred to uh, on their first date or whatever. But I think the important point is that it doesn't really matter and that mm -hmm. they like, they just loved each other so much, um, both as human beings and based on their love for this same shared interest of volcanoes. Mm -hmm. And I could just feel that like coming off of the screen and how they interacted with each other, and even just like looked at each other when they were like on these sites researching together. I thought it was really, I, th I thought it was like powerful um, that they didn't really need to include a whole lot of dialogue talking or like, you know, uh, conversations from like other people that knew them talking about their love for each other. They just needed to show them together on screen to have that come across. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, I want to build on that uh, in more spoiler territory. So I think we can say right now, yes, we recommend it. Go watch it on Hulu or Disney plus stop this podcast and, and come back when you've watched it. Uh, because now into spoiler territory, uh, and, you know, from the, the starts, you know, when you open the movie up on Disney Plus, it says outright, basically, that what led to, it's like, hey, this is about what led to the craft's death Demi yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, or whatever. Uh, but it is very interesting how uh, you see throughout, uh, as, you know, you see some of their interviews during, like, not when they're on TV, but just when they are uh in their own offices uh and they talk about their differences and you see times where maurice is more uh you know reckless in, in wanting to go uh like really close too close to the volcanoes or when he uh is boating out on the lake of sulfuric acid uh <laughs> and things like that uh you know like uh katya is angry at him for doing that furious, because, but yeah. but it's not you never get the sense of uh this is it for the relationship or, mm. or this is where it all comes apart it's it's yeah. just that they're both just trying to learn as much as they can about volcanoes in the ways that they feel comfortable doing so and they're both so infatuated with this phenomena that happens on the like they love I think what they love about each other is that they're 100% committed to volcanoes. Yeah. So as long as one of them is 100% com committed to volcanoes, they will, they will love each other. Yeah. I think that, I mean, that's why, and, and it's a non-traditional love story. We don't get any mm -hmm. of the background. We don't get anything. We get, like you said, hypotheticals of how they met. Who knows if the filmmakers actually had the information, but the way they built out the story for this documentary, it wasn't relevant because that part of the love story isn't important. The love story is them loving volcanoes and loving each other and loving being near volcanoes. I mean, there's so many times throughout the film where they talk about volcanoes in a very sensual way, almost mm. as if they they are in love with the volcanoes, right? Just yeah. as much as they love each other. And yeah. so that's like the, obviously the bond that pulls them together, but very interesting. Yeah. And at a couple different points, Maurice says, uh, I, it's not that I hate people, uh, but 
if I could, I would eat rocks and just right. live on the volcanoes or whatever. But the volcanoes and make me love people. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it's it's very interesting how they they paint that. Well, and that story um, kind of comes full circle, right? Because they they say that both of them were activists early on in their right. life. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yep. Um, and then they got discouraged greatly, I think, <laughs> understandably so, by feeling like, they were never going to affect any type of change that was going to better people. Um, and then they, yes. they fell into, um, and they were, I think they were already into, they were already volcanologists by that point. Um, and then they really dove into uh, volcanology. And then that winds up coming full circle, right? Where through their studies, they wind up understanding that uh, uh, our procedures of how we handle volcanoes that are going to erupt and could affect hundreds of thousands of lives in surrounding areas are very ineffective and it winds up coming full circle where they are now making films uh to help governments understand warning signs so mm -hmm. that they would that way they can effectively evacuate nearby areas to save these lives yeah yeah yeah, yeah so i i guess uh we can kind of get into uh let's let's get into the the storytelling i guess mm -hmm. of this so fire of love is uh maybe not not unique because this is a challenge that a lot of uh documentaries end up facing uh but fire of love is almost exclusively archival footage that maurice and katia took themselves and graphics uh and graphics in, yeah yeah. yeah i think uh some of those graphics were commissioned probably to you know, explain some of the science that was going on. Uh, and I don't think that they're sourced from anything else. Uh, but just the their ability to go through, I think I saw that it's like thousands of hours of footage that yeah. they took right. or their crew took uh, that they have to sift through and try to find this narrative thread. Um, how did, how effective do we think they were in uh, having, you know, a story to grasp to throughout the hour and a half. I'm not sure. I mean, I think it was effective, but I also agree with you, Nate, about, you know, there's only so much footage you can watch of volcanoes erupting or lava flows before mm -hmm. you start to lose interest. Um, I think that they did the best with what they could, because I don't, you know, like I said, like there's not a whole lot of intimate moments, I don't believe, of them like talking into it's not Blair Witch style, right? Where they're like talking mm. into the camera. It's yeah. not like a found footage film. So I think that they uh it's a lot of incidental film, right? Where it's just like the camera's pointed in a direction and things are occurring. Capture, um, yeah. So I think that they did the best with what they had uh as far as the sheer amount of film that I'm sure was there to sift through um and then putting this story together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now again to further that the you're right, incidental. I mean, that was what allowed us to understand their love story was the film used to capture moments where they're cooking an egg or like <laughs> they're looking at each other. And these are just seconds probably mm. out of, you know, minutes of film that they were, you know, sp supposedly using to film the rocks or the volcano or whatever's going on. So you're going through hours of that stuff to find those moments so, you, so there's like an art of that and sort of like a, I think that's why this is so powerful is because of the way it was created in that you had to find those moments of, you know, in quotes, love mm. 
in these scientific, you know, viewings, right? Yeah. And so to pull that together <laughs> is is so. I mean, I can't even imagine it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I think that they also did a good job with, and this is something that uh, Harry Biddle uh, sent into our email, just like you can at swtd at gmail.com. He said, I love the shots that started in on the people and zoomed out to highlight the incredible size of the eruptions. And I think that that's something they captured really well because, you know, when we watched, you know, documentaries about volcanoes in like seventh grade science class, Mm-hmm. you know it really is just the same shots of yeah. lava yeah. rivers flowing yeah. over and over again and uh, oh it looks kind of slow motion or whatever but they did a really good job at so, uh, shot selection in showing scale uh mm-hmm. so there were the shots of them you know walking through this this bed of rock and ash and they pull out and then once it's fully zoomed out you can't see where they are anymore and right. things like that and when they showed the uh eruption of uh saint helens uh they have all of these different shots saying this was taken from 12 kilometers out by a hiker and this was taken from 30 kilometers out and, and things like that and i think that was pretty effective uh for that kind of stuff and there's um, like a, there's a a vein in the film where they talk about how um maurice because i think they said katia was mostly photography that was like yeah, her yep, yeah her medium they talk they say that Maurice like filmed in seconds right he wasn't like he wasn't sitting there filming for hours on end with these same shots and Maurice would say that he wasn't trying to be like a filmmaker but then they show examples of him taking like different takes of the same shot right so like yeah. you saying like it felt very cinematic like I think that was intentional regardless of what Maurice would say I think there was a very uh, specific intent with how he was filming and that goes back to like the the intimacy like he loved these volcanoes um and so it wasn't just uh like you said uh like national geographic it's funny because this is like i think it's fil- hosted yeah it is national a, geographic a it's, not thing, just yeah. Like, it's not just like a standard science documentary where it's these very static shots i think it's conveyed by the person who took them maurice that these are living breathing things um and not just like static events that occur on earth and i think that comes across and like you said, the cine- the cinematic shots that he he took. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and Jacob and I were talking during the film, which was probably bad etiquette. <laughs> we were we were talking about the the whole idea of had this been just a sort of scientific film, it wouldn't have any interest to us because we have uh, all of these like four K videos with mm. people with fantastic like narration, right? And we'll talk about the narration here in a moment. Yeah. But, we can watch those because we grew up watching them in school. We have them available to us. And this is footage from the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s. And that footage is literally on film. It looks horrible, right? right? So, yeah. so the cinematic portion is, yes, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Like Maurice had to make it cinematic to be, you know, to, so we could actually be intrigued enough to continue watching it. But, but also... Uh, if it weren't for these other aspects that they've been able to weave into, which is a love story, it would just be like old footage and it would be fun for about 15 minutes. Yeah. 
And and you mentioned this, uh, so I have been just now thinking about the narration. So yeah. we talked about it a little bit, and a good friend of the show, Jack Badger, also sent us some stuff uh, about the documentary, and he mentioned that he wasn't a fan of of the narrator. The narration. Yeah, uh, and I was, you know, I could, you know, just the the tone of the voice and, and the way that uh, the narrator spoke, you know, it was fine. I didn't necessarily think of anything against it in the moment but now that we're talking about the old net geo documentaries that you watch in middle mm -hmm. school and i'm thinking of how those will always have just this vaguely upper class british <laughs> voice yeah. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. that you just You're kind of tune out yeah. i think that uh, just the the affectation that this narrator had that makes it slightly more human uh, is humanizing, I think that does really help to distinguish it from other kinds of nature documents. Definitely whispering. Yeah. Definitely different. It's not low tone, not low, like soothing voices. It mm -hmm. just has sort of a, a different feel to it. And yeah. I think they strategically chose it because in a film like this, when you don't have narration or dialogue between the two people in love, you have to build that with narration. Yeah, and sure. so you're strategically choosing a voice that's that's supposed to be, and I'm I'm really curious to how that might connect with the personification of the volcanoes. Is there a reason we chose this style of voice to narrate, to talk about volcanoes mm -hmm. and to talk about love, right? It's, yeah. I I don't know where that could go, but I imagine that there was strategic like placement for that. Yeah. And also interesting how they got actors to uh, read out some of Maurice and uh, yes. Katya's uh, notes. Because they didn't like have, that. we didn't have film mm -hmm. of them talking with each other, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, that, so that was interesting. Uh, and another question that I want to pose to you guys is the, the idea that this is solely archival footage. It didn't have to be that way. You know, lots of documentaries are based off of archival footage, but then they bring in current experts to talk about something mm -hmm. or to mm -hmm. put something in context. Uh, do you think, would you have liked to see some of that kind of current day interview kind of things? Or, or do you think that keeping it uh, kind of centered on the footage that these two people captured, do you, do you think that that is the correct way that they? I, I think that they, what they did was the most effective right because like we've talked about already the film was about the love between two people and volcanoes and i think the film does its best job um, or does uh, the best it can keeping it that way of this uh this love triangle right between all th the volcano and then maurice and katya and i think when you the more voices you add in to the film that are talking about it that kind of broadens the scope a little bit more and it winds up not being as intimate right i mean really the only other people that we see are like some of the research they mentioned some of their friends who are researchers mm -hmm. um but really there's no other people besides you know the volcano and maurice and katia um, mm -hmm. and i think it would have diluted the like the unspoken love story aspect if they had additional sources coming in and talking about them Mm -hmm. And I'd be curious, because there are two other films about them. One right. came out in 2005, and one came out in 2022 as well. Yeah. And so I'd be curious 
I haven't watched any of yeah. those two. I'd be really yeah, we, we just, we as, saw it, yeah. as we were Googling right before this, would we, be, we, we would saw be that. Really it curious. seems like they're both from Werner Herzog as well. Yeah. Yes. So I'd be really interested to see the different approaches yeah. uh, to each one. Yeah. Um, and probably why it makes this one unique and probably why this one was you know different enough, yeah. different and, approach to it. And the one that got nominated for... Yes. best documentary feature right. at the Oscars. Right. Um, and I think the something that we, was said earlier was that, you know, with documentaries, we um, there isn't that aspect of like screaming at the screen because mm -hmm. these characters are, are doing something that you don't believe. Like something with documentaries is that a fundable, a fundamental understanding is that human beings are flawed yeah. and like reason doesn't always work out. And I think that this film does a decent job of humanizing these two people um although interestingly enough like when i watch documentaries there's always an aspect like maybe it's like me being jaded i'm always like okay like but did they really love each other or like were they <laughs> sure you know yeah. what i mean what are and, we seeing yeah yeah like where's the controversy tab on the wikipedia page <laughs> <laughs> and so like yeah. i wound up doing some light research and from what i from what i can tell like there there haven't been really any qualms as far as the the reception of the film um, either from like the people that were close um, to the crafts or you know other volcanologists it feels like this is actually a, a pretty genuine um, de depiction of um, these two people um, mm -hmm. and they are flawed you know like uh, you, yeah. can you can argue that they the reason they died are because of their flaws you know they they mentioned that when they died or maybe I don't know if they mentioned it or it was a fact that I looked up but like when their bodies were found um, or their remains were found, um, the people that were with them were in positions that indicated that those people were running away from the volcano, but the craft's bodies were still right. facing it and hadn't ran. Right, right. And again, probably some sort of human flaw to not run from a pyroclastic flow that's speeding towards you at 60 miles an hour. Like you're going to stay in film no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. these, people, like, these two people were flawed human beings. And they might have lived longer if they hadn't, but I think that they, a thing that is underlying in the film is that they had accepted death. I think that they, and Maurice actually mentioned that, mentions this, where he wants to live and burn bright and, yep. Yep. and go out in a natural way. He doesn't want to live for years and years and years and be bored. And I mm -hmm. think that both of these people, while they didn't necessarily want to die, they weren't searching for death. I think that they very much understood that we are going to die doing this and it's only a matter of time and we accept that and we're we're just going to live our lives um as fully as we can in the moment until that happens and when we go we're both going to go together yeah yeah, yeah. And, and i think it's maurice who says explicitly uh as he's talking about wanting to to burn brightly saying that uh, so i just looked up so they uh Maurice was 45 and Katya was 49 when they died and Maurice said I feel like I've lived yeah to be 100 years old <laughs> yeah. with all I've experienced and yeah. yeah he was like and I I want to keep doing doing that and living that way um one thing that that uh we were talking about as we were watching and uh Jack Badger uh sent in to talk about a little bit of, as well was Throughout, especially in the the first half of the movie, there was seemingly a lot of foreshadowing uh, where they talk about Katya being the safer, pragmatic researcher and saying, hey, 
maybe don't go boating out on the sulfuric (laughs) acid lake uh whereas maurice was like no i'm gonna do it and i also have a plan to build this brick and steel boats to go (laughs) rowing down a lava river um it seemed like as as someone who had no i had never heard of these people before this movie um it seemed like they were going to end up dying Mm -hmm. because uh of maurice just kind of pushing them a little too far Mm -hmm. um but I, th- I think it was really effective in how uh, that's not how it was. You know, you, you mentioned that when they died, they were just basically filming and observing the volcano. Uh, and it really was kind of uh, peaceful to, to see. Mm. They showed the shot that someone took of them mm-hmm. uh, from afar uh, and just them together doing what they loved. And I think one of the the big things in the movie for me is that that happens because the first half is them studying what they call the red uh, volcanoes, Uh, even though Maurice says anybody who categorizes volcanoes should be banned, (laughs) except for this, except for this categorization. categorization. (laughs) Um, uh, They're studying the red, quote unquote, friendly volcanoes because they're saying you can predict where the lava is going to be and he says it's it's as dangerous as like Walking going out Belgium. onto a yeah. Belgian highway yeah. because you can see yeah. where the cars are going. Uh, but then they transition into studying the gray dangerous volcanoes because they are un unpredictable. And they saw I for, do you remember what volcano it was that erupted and it killed like twenty five thousand? The one in Colombia. Yeah, in, in Colombia, yeah. And because of the devastation there and the fact that the government there did not, you know, listen to their warnings and say, hey, you need to evacuate. Yeah, Uh, they, you know, basically, it seems shifted courses in what they were researching because they wanted to kind of harken back to their activist roots and and try to creates films or or just anything to to show to government so that they can understand volcanoes even a little bit more so that they can take the appropriate actions and just i think that that's even though they shifted to the more dangerous uh types of volcanoes to study uh it's interesting because it seems like that you know they then understood the risk and it seems like maurice was less of that reckless side and and they were just together uh, trying to uh, help people well, in that I way. I think they had to. They yeah. had to make that transition because after they are literally like a part of these 25,000 people dying, they realize that their love for volcanoes can only go so far. But their love for volcano volcanoes is them. Mm. And so in order for them to continue to love this destructive force that takes thousands of lives, they have to now do their work through saving people and helping people because if they don't do that then their love for volcanoes is like loving a terrorist or like loving mm. something that kills right mm, sure maybe that wasn't the right way to <laughs> way to to do it but do you understand sure. like yeah. right uh so i think that was a needed transition for them and then they realized whoa this is even bigger adrenaline rush because we have no idea when these things go off we have no, there's 350 volcanologists in the world. 50 of them are studying these gray volcanoes. Yeah. And they are the only ones who are going close enough to, to actually, you know, study it and get information on it. 
And it's really, really cool to see at the very end how they potentially save these 50,000 people from this uh, th- this uh, volcano that happens right after their death, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. there's never it never feels like there's any regret. Like when they talk about their death, it's not like in a, there's not, you know, Sarah McLaughlin music playing in the background. <laughs> you know, it's no, not yeah. like this sad thing. It's no. like this it's this understood fact and then um you know there's i there's no shots of you know like katya like being mad and screaming at maurice that may have happened it may have not but like i don't i don't think it would have really mattered you know what i mean i think that um they just kind of both understood the risks and they know that this is like what they needed to do and they they just did it there was no i don't really think there was ever going i don't think there's ever a discussion between the two of them of like should we do this? Shouldn't we do do this? I think they just both understood that this is what yeah. this is what we're going to do. And they they understand. Ultimately, it was a change in uh, the weather that puts them in danger's way. Right, the fog rolls in. Right, and they realize now they're at complete mercy of the earth and the bewildering, awesome power that the earth has. And as soon as they make that decision to go closer to this ticking time bomb that they know, right, yeah. they're accepting this and they realize, you know what, we are just two specks on earth close to the most beautiful thing, the thing that we love that could to help study it, to save people. We are doing our thing. And I think that is the sense of like, this is where we go if we go. Right. And there's no, we don't have dialogue between them. We don't have Katya saying, no, Maurice, this is stupid. We don't have that. Perhaps that occurred. Perhaps mm-hmm. that happened. But we don't have that in this love story. Yeah. And I think something that they mention uh, via um, some non archival footage is that like their their love is so by chance. And like you said, we're just kind of like specks on earth that are yeah. you know, living mm-hmm. these very finite lives. And, you know, the odds that these two people are born, you know, miles from each other who both love the exact same thing um, and are born at the exact same time is just so by chance that, you know, right. they, I think that they under kind of, they understood that a little bit. Um, and these, really- I think these people, had they not found each other, would likely have not found themselves in long-term relationships because- oh, yeah they 100% their love was for the volcanoes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Katya explicitly says I couldn't I wouldn't even think about, you know, loving someone who doesn't also love volcanoes. Right. And yeah. on their honeymoon they say we're not having children. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. On their honeymoon yeah. and Harry was laughing because it's like literally they say on our honeymoon yeah. we're not having children. Yeah. Our children, our love is going to be completely devoted to volcanoes. Yeah. And I think they were both like yes. These yeah. are, this is my person. Yeah. Uh, one quick interesting thing. I, I just remember they said uh, at some point during uh, the archival footage uh, that I think Katya had seen 150 volcanoes oh, yeah. uh, and Maurice had seen 130. Um, and I was like, well, that's a lot of volcanoes. Uh, and so I just wanted to look up. There are 1,350 potentially active volcanoes worldwide um so i just think that's interesting that's a decent percentage to have seen uh you know in real life yeah well and they're funding their travels yeah by their work Mm. right they're not like millionaires 
Right. Yeah. They're just these people who have to create stuff to do. And it doesn't seem like the love for creating this stuff is what drives them. It's not that they just no, have it's a to create. It's a byproduct and they have to do it to see more. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like uh, it's kind of a similar lifestyle to, to like big musicians where it's like, we write the album, produce the album so we can go on tour so that we can make money to make a to new, make album. new album. And this is, we go make a movie about volcanoes and then come back and, and actually make it so that we can go back to the field and make another movie about volcanoes. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was very much some Indiana Jones vibes, right? Well, with the, with the, with the, the horses and their hats. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're showing shots of like their house and it's just like disheveled. There's like notes everywhere. There's rocks from various volcanoes. Like these people like didn't, they lived very, um, uh, like, uh, their lives were always in motion. I don't think that they really spent a whole lot of time like actually at their house unless right. they needed to. Because right. I don't even think that they would say that that was their home if you ask them. Right. Yeah. yeah their home is at the crater. Their home yeah. is like, and I think it's so funny when they literally say in the film, or they're not saying it, but the narrator says is that like, we have no idea, no reason. We have no understanding of why this footage was taken. We just have it. And so we're yeah. going to put it in here because this is the only thing that shows that they're like having fun outside of a volcano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Harry, Harry mentioned in, in his email to us, uh, the, uh, when they're putting on like the metal suits or whatever, <laughs> and Maurice just throws the huge rock <laughs> at Katya's head. Uh, yeah, that, that was, was, that was a fun that moment. Was, that well, was a funny yeah. looking hat. They're also yeah. like, I think they're also like funny people. Like they were, I think that yeah. I think they yeah. were both very very funny people. Yeah, yeah. And that comes across in the film, like whether it's like shots like that, or it's like you know cooking the egg on the lo- on the lava yeah. flow, or yeah. like is shots it good? No, it's it's good. Yeah, he's, he's like it's not my best. <laughs> he's like I've made these better before. <laughs> yeah, not my best work. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, like that was the those shots of like them being at home. Um, I think the something that and it this film instilled in me is like it's very bohemian right i mean it's also like there's a sense of like wanderlust like they're going to like all these exotic locations and they also are people that like have a purpose right Mm -hmm. i think that's a thing that i think a lot of people can relate to is like trying to find what your purpose is what is your why and these are two people that understood that like they knew very early on that like this is what i'm meant to do and that can be that's like a really powerful thing to watch and like uh, for people who are still trying to figure out, like, what am I doing here? Like, what what am I doing with my life? I think that could be a really powerful thing to sit and watch two people who, like, very deeply at their core understand their nature and their purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to get to another question that Harry sent in uh, about the music. He said, for the mm-hmm. most part, I really liked what it added. Uh, he says, there's one sort of ominous song close to the beginning that didn't seem like it fits. Uh, but overall, he liked it. Uh, what did you guys think about the music? You mentioned the Wild West thing that they mm-hmm. had going. I, I don't know what that song is called, but it's one that is in like a lot of faux Western things. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah uh, that I noticed and I liked because uh, it does kind of show their playfulness uh, and uh, that they had while they're doing all this research. Um, uh, a lot of it just kind of blended in to me it was mm-hmm. like standard yeah. Yeah. documentary fare but uh, what did you guys think i thought it was pretty good i could probably take it or leave it um there was uh one the one that i do remember was that there was like some sort of french like pseudo jazz piece 
Yes. Mm, yeah. That was in there that I remembered. And yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan of that type of music. So um, I enjoyed that a lot, but uh, to be honest, I, if they had had no music in this film, I probably wouldn't have noticed. And that's odd mm. for someone like I'm a musician. I love music. I love uh, soundtrack scores. Um, but for this documentary in particular, like that was my focus was never on like the the actual music that was selected. I, and I think that that is the reason they chose that specific music it, because and, and many times our TV helped us out a little bit because it gave us a little description of the type of music that was. Oh, funny. yeah. Melancholy. And, and melancholy <laughs> was always the theme. And I don't know if that's because they just don't have a good list of what they could call it. Melancholy jazz or pop. I don't know. <laughs> but it, it does help us understand like it is melancholy. Hmm. I mean, we've got these beautiful things going on. And then all of a sudden, like, this is this is disaster, right? So that's the one thing I want to add. And then to add on to your point of, like, I don't, I didn't really notice it. I think that was done strategically because we're working with archival footage that had, uh, like, uh, the, I guess, in now it would be, uh, like, the A-roll, the audio, because mm, it's right. film, yeah. that has these just noises that is that aren't pure, so they're in the helicopter. They want the ambient sound, but you've got helicopter going. You've got the shutter speed of the camera going. You can hear these things. And without a music or something to sort of allow our ears and brain to understand what's going on, we focus on those things which detract from this story that we have to try to pull together through through a narrator and through dialogue and stuff that's occurring not between the two characters in love. So I think... Yeah. And what and then it goes off what you're saying, which is you didn't really notice it there. I think that was the point. Sure. Because if it weren't there, you would notice those mm. other things we would be hearing. May, I mean, maybe yeah. that's a little far fetched, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I I think I agree a lot with that. I also liked. I noticed that I think uh, a lot of the ending at uh, Mount Unzen, I believe it's called mm-hmm. um, Japan. Yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't really have music there, and it was just kind of the and like the diegetic noises going on in there they didn't have anything additional it was just the silence of observing this volcano that who knows when is gonna erupt and things like right. that because we're in we're anticipating it's near the end right. of the film we know yeah. they die they, they already happen. said like yeah at the beginning they say like june 3rd 1991 yes. or whatever and, yeah. and at the end they're like june, june 3rd, 3rd 1991. and now we don't have the music and now it's like okay yeah yeah very close to your birthday, Andrew. I know. I wonder yeah. if it's your fault. Probably. Yeah. I'll take. I will take ownership of, uh, <laughs> of that. Well, family. honestly, they didn't want to dramatize the deaths. I don't think. Yeah. No. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, we were talking about. I think Jack Badger also mentioned that the deaths at the end were pretty anticlimactic. Very. But, but I, I think that that fits. It, it, it wasn't. You know a huge high stakes it's like no why did you go river boating down to lava it's, <laughs> yeah, it's just right. them watching the volcano it's uh, one more of those things like why did you do that it wasn't there right yeah had they all capsized on a lava boat would have been wildly dramatic but we as viewers would have been like this is so dumb why did you do that right yeah, but yeah. we didn't have that now this leads me to to how i kind of want to wrap up the conversation uh, is yeah if this was like I before I looked up uh, and saw this article I was saying if this were like a narrative feature film they absolutely would have dramatized those final moments into mm-hmm. some weird thing 
Yeah. Uh, so imagine my surprise when I see from uh, this is from IndieWire. Fire Love is getting adapted into a narrative feature. Oh no! Uh, so how do Disappointed. we feel about that? Yeah. So it's, it says here from IndieWire, uh, Searchlight Pictures is making a deal to remake Fire of Love, uh, the Oscar-nominated documentary, uh, with uh, and let me find Sarah Dosa. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, it says no director or screenwriter is attached to the narrative remake of the documentary, but Sarah Dosa, the director of the documentary, uh, and the documentary's producer, Shane Boris, are both on board uh, the project as producers. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I don't necessarily, Thoughts. I mean, hey, get that bag. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I just, I'm, I'm happy that they are involved, but that isn't, you know, I don't necessarily inherently believe that just because they're involved it's going to have the um there's too many hands um involved now that are going to be able to steer that project um outside of just those two so i'm sure that while they'll help kind of hopefully continue um to hone that feature film um in the right way and keep it in the right mood and in the the right light there's just like too many hands involved in that process now in regards to feature films that I, I'm, I would be surprised if it had the uh, same type of magic that this documentary has. Yeah. Um, I actually wrote down when we were talking about um, some, you mentioned Wes Anderson. And I think that if I was going to see this done as a mm. feature film, Wes Anderson, I think would be the perfect yeah. uh, fit to do something like this, both visually as well as a, a storyteller. I think that he, he deals with flawed people a lot. Um, and, uh, I think if I was going to see a feature film, he would be at the top of my list, uh, for someone to, to direct. Yeah. That that's interesting because when this started and, uh, I think the first thing in the movie is them driving through this, this snow, uh, Hmm. and they have like their red beanies and their blue coats on. It gave me heavy life aquatic, uh, with Steve Zizou, uh, vibes, which is one of, uh, Wes Anderson's movies that's about, these uh like marine biology researchers uh who like work on a submarine or something um but uh, yeah that's interesting that would that would be a good uh get for them um yeah it just kind it kind of reminds me of i think it was probably almost a year exactly now where uh unless this was two years ago oh yeah i was in ohio wow uh so i have talked about a movie called another round uh, that's a Danish movie, I believe. Um, oh, sorry, Mads Mikkelsen. Um, to the beginnings of Write That Down. <laughs> yeah, I think this was like like episode 10 or something where I talked about it. And it was announced that uh, they're doing an English language remake of it with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm like, but just watch the Danish movie. Oh, you're right. right. I remember you having qualms with it's, that. Uh, yeah, just... Uh, you i'm assuming that you know how to read and uh, sorry if you don't but like just read the (laughs) sub did they make it no uh it's probably still in production but Mm -hmm. who knows yeah it's uh it's kind of reminds me of that it's like just watch the documentary i'll quote andrew gotta get that bag (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean yeah happy for for you know the documentary team because i don't know how you know lucrative the documentary business is um so that they probably get fine yeah yeah but uh not because it's nominated right it's uh yeah 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 yeah. 
Yeah, it's you're right. It's not a blockbuster. It's not like a huge thing. But I probably am not going to watch the the narrative one that comes. See, out. I think we might have to. When you for can, this podcast. We might have to, you can watch it. I'm going to look at the reviews and the notes. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I I don't know. I've watched it already, and I don't think I want to change what I have of this mm. story. Yeah, we'll see. Like I don't want fake stuff thrown in. Like yeah. I don't need it. What if I told you it's starring? I don't care who it's Adam starts. Driver as Maurice. It doesn't matter. Adam Driver. I don't know. No. As who would be a good Katya? You see, that's the oh, thing. Is I now it's know. fake. Uh, I don't need that. Sarah Paulson. That's a good. That's that? a good choice. Sarah Palin. <laughs> also, probably a good choice. I would <laughs> actually. You're selling it to me more now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, any other thoughts about uh, Fire of Love uh, before we wrap up and get into definitely not procrastinating? Uh, no, I think we uh, we covered all of my bases. I think that, like I said at the beginning, I think it's a great, not just documentary, but also just like a great film. Um, it's really visually pleasing to watch. Um, if you have 93 minutes to spare, I think it's absolutely worth the watch. Yeah. 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 Awesome. All right. Well, then let's wrap up. Are you familiar with Definitely Not Procrastinating? Of Andrew? course. How dare you? All right. Well, uh, why don't I, I can go first because I usually go last. Uh, and I just feel like I should get mine out of the way because I have a couple things. Uh, I, I went down a rabbit hole. One. Okay. No, <laughs> I won't. You have uh, 90 seconds. Uh, so I mentioned last time that I was rewatching Parks and Rec. Uh, which probably with this most recent rewatch uh, bumped up to uh, one of my favorite sitcoms or comedies ever. Interesting. Maybe over The Office. Uh, um, shut up. <laughs> um, but uh, that got me in the Adam Scott mood. Uh, and so uh, my first uh, thing is Party Down, which was a show that ran for two seasons on Stars in like 2007 and 2008 or something. Uh, and then it got canceled because nobody watched it. And then Adam Scott went to Parks and Rec and, and all that. Uh, but it's on Hulu, uh, those two seasons. And they're doing a revival season right now on Stars. It's two episodes in out of six. Uh, and it's actually a really good show. It's about uh, this like team of like five caterers for this party down catering company. Uh, who are in Hollywood and each episode is them just catering at different events. Like one is like the California College, uh, you know, group of conservatives or something. Mm -hmm. There's one that's a Sweet 16. There's one that's like this homeowners association dinner and stuff like that. And it's just them catering each of these events while also having like they're all actors or writers who are trying to make it big. And one of them is trying to own this fast food soup franchise or something like that uh and it's very funny uh and then that made me realize i need to finally watch severance starring adam scott mm. uh and that is probably now in my top five shows ever yeah. um fantastic uh, and it's kind of crazy because both like all severance and or and last of us have happened in the last year mm. and those are all some of my favorites now yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, Severance, I don't want to say too much about it because uh, I think it's just something you have to watch. Um, but it's a psychological thriller kind of thing uh, with, you know, an office space. And that's about as vague and specific as I'll get. Uh, but you should watch it. It's on Apple TV. Uh, and I 
finished the finale this past weekend and I immediately texted everybody uh and was me? like uh well that's true I didn't text you but you need to watch it uh you, you have Apple right yeah because yeah, you have the MLS package yeah, right. so, yeah so watch yeah watch severance and then we'll talk about it right. um but uh yeah so that's it Parks and Rec party down severance nice the Adam Scott trio <laughs> right Very yeah cool. Adam Scott plays Ben on Parks and Rec if you have no idea who I'm talking about Mm. okay well um i guess i'll go and then we'll leave the best for last uh so since we're you talked about apple tv um there was another show that i watched uh, i binge watched last week i think from apple tv i think it came out a year ago it's called blackbird hmm. have you heard, heard of about it? that yeah i wanted to watch um that. yeah uh, i thought it was fantastic now it, like a short synopsis it's like this guy he gets busted he's like living the high life He's like a drug dealer and like has a lot of money and he's like, but he's like well put, he wears suits and stuff. He's living the life. He gets any girl he wants. Right. And then he gets busted uh, and he goes to prison for like 10 years. Uh, but within his sentence, he gets the option to go and work with the FBI to try to uh, get a confession from the serial killer who kills uh, and, and does really bad things to, to young girls but but the serial killer is so messed up he's like super he's different he's just he every part of him is just off and you start to like you don't sympathize with him but you realize that he's not normal and so this like really well put together person goes to this high maximum prison and has to start to befriend and like try to get this get information about the 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 women the 21 different young girls that he you know raped and killed and stuff and and get it to the fbi so that they can com basically commute a sentence so that he can like be free but also to get this guy off of the street so because i guess they messed up when he wrote that he did it and so he could get out for free so mm. it's a fantastic show really easy to watch it's on apple tv it's called blackbird uh and i don't usually watch a lot of shows but that was one of the shows that was like captivating and the acting is mm. pretty good it's pretty well done I think Apple did a good job putting that on their nice their streaming channel. Well, now you can watch Severance. Now I can watch Severance. Right. Yeah. yeah. Before Ted Lasso. Before that's Season right. Ted Lasso Rings. coming out what next week? Uh, the fifteenth. So yeah. a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on my end, I just finished uh, season two of Alice in Borderland, which is on Netflix. Hmm. Um, that's a Japanese TV uh, TV show that is. Um, originally a manga that was mm. done. Um, I believe there's only going to be two seasons, but they kind of left it mildly open-ended with what they might do. Um, it's basically, uh, you know, three best friends who are all kind of nerdy um, and they all are kind of like wild, you know, mess ups in their lives um, in various ways, wind up um, being transported into a post-apocalyptic version of uh japan and where they are required to play with other people who have been transported highly lethal games um and if you don't die during the game what you win uh is um an extended lifespan so the minute that your they call them visas the minute that your visa runs out you die in this mm. world hmm. um and the only way to extend your visa is by successfully surviving and winning these games um, and so it's them trying to survive in this very weird world and also trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Why are we here? Why are all these other people here? 
why are we playing games? Um, and it's uh, it's a really interesting show. There's a lot of I won't if I get into kind of the uh, ideas behind it, I'll spoil it too much. But uh, I think it was definitely worth the watch. Um, there's a lot. It's very gory. So if that <laughs> if you're adverse to that, I would put a warning there. Um, but there's also some very immense uh, acting chops there. And there's some really really great um, scenes that are well written and well executed. Um, so I would definitely recommend that. And the other one that I would have is I am a professional wrestling fan. Um, <laughs> I could do an entire episode on why I think that's the last great uh, Shakespearean uh, acting uh, 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 medium of our time, but I won't go into it now. But tonight at seven actually is uh, one of the major wrestling companies uh, like premiere shows for the year, AEW Revolution. Um, and so I've been catching up on um, all wrestling is great because you can either pay attention to it and enjoy it, or you can just literally put it on the background and pay attention to it when you want, or when something draws your attention. And so what I've been doing is catching up on all of the storylines um, that have been kind of going into this, uh, this final pay-per-view um, and catching up on, you know, who is mad at whom, what have they done um, in past <laughs> episodes? It. It's like a, it's a great, uh, it's a great soap opera. Yeah. Um, so hmm. that's what I've been I've been binging recently to kind of catch up for tonight. Huh. Nice. That's fun. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for joining us to talk thank Fire of Love. Yeah, yeah, really appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll have to get you and Steven back on at some point for something. A final maybe showdown. A, yeah, maybe a yeah. head to head. Yeah. Yeah. Paper. It's our, our first video episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, uh, where can the people find you? If you oh, want them is, to be found. This is great if I want to be found. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can find me everywhere at uh, Maltlich, M-A-L-T-L-I-C-H. That's you know, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, um, all, of the, all of the following. You can find me there. Nice. Wow. Uh, you can find Nate at NJOlrich16. Yeah, on Instagram. Nate Ulrich 16 on Twitter. Okay. Not that anyone really cares. It's fine. Uh, you can find me at Jacob Yesbeck on Twitter, Instagram, just, and especially Letterboxd. Letterboxd. You just Give me saying. those Letterbox <laughs> followers. Uh, I'm very active. Uh, but uh, yeah, well, join us in two weeks uh, for when we talk about The Last of Us on HBO mm -hmm. uh, and submit your thoughts to swtd at gmail.com. Uh, but until then, we'll see you later. We'll see you.